Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, laid down in grief, but I walk with the key to hell. Hallelujah, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ is risen from the grave. Welcome to Epiphany's podcast, a ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at epiphanyligonier.org. Hello friends, my name is the Reverend Lauren Scharf and I am just so delighted that Pastor Brian asked me to join the Epiphany community this week as your preacher. I'll be joining the congregation in person on Sunday, but for our friends at home, I'll be joining you via this recording and I'm so grateful to you for allowing me into your kitchens and your living rooms and your cars. Uh, What a wonderful honor to get to be there with you. So this week is Trinity Sunday, and I feel that I should admit to you that for many years after I became a Christian, the Trinity was an idea that baffled me. I mean, I was taught well. I knew what the church said about it, that we worship a God who is three in one, one in three. One classical way of understanding and describing the doctrine of the Trinity is to say that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit compose the Trinity, and the Father is God, and the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. And so, in a very real way, somehow, there are three in one, one in three. Our God is absolutely one, and yet... The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father. It feels, or it felt to me in the beginning, like some bad math. I barely understood what the church was saying, let alone trying to describe this to somebody if I was to share my faith. And so it was a doctrine that I decided to set to the side. However, I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit and came across some very, very good teaching on the Trinity that changed my mind. In fact, now, this morning, I proclaim to you that I think the Trinity is at the very center of our entire faith and can be a great encouragement to our faith if we are willing to dig in and try to understand it a bit. Now, there is a mysterious element to the Trinity, no doubt, and to fully understand God is impossible, way above our pay grade as human beings. And yet, as we open the scriptures, we see a description of who our God is, his nature and his character. The book that I'm going to commend to you, and I don't normally do this during sermons, but I would like to commend this book. It's called Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. And it is a wonderful and super accessible book if you're looking for kind of a primer on why 
the Trinity is actually very wonderful news for us Christians. Reeves does a good job of placing the doctrine of the Trinity right at the center of our faith. And he goes so far as to say that the Trinity is not just something that's central to our faith. It is the source of all that is good in our faith. And so I want to open the scriptures together and see what they have to say about our God, who is three in one and one in three. I would like to make the argument that because of the doctrine of the Trinity, our God is good. Our God is love. And because our God is Trinity, he can make himself known in a very real way to us. And so... As I make these three points, I think we ought to begin at the very beginning. Actually, I'm going to ask that we begin before the beginning. Many of us know the story from Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Word of God came and animated life and made things be. This tremendous creative act. And we humans are nothing if not self-centered. And so we tend to think that this moment of creation we see described to us in Genesis is the first interesting thing that was happening. But what we also know from the scriptures is that our God is eternal, is unchanging. If you look at your Old Testament passage, you'll see that when Moses asks God to identify himself, Moses wants to know who to tell the Israelites is sending him. And God says, tell them I am sent to you, the one who simply is, uncreated, eternal, relational, and yet unchangeable. And so it stands to reason that other things were going on before we came on the scene. C.S. Lewis, who is the writer of the Chronicles of Narnia and Mere Christianity, also has another series of books that I love. It's his sci-fi trilogy. And he asks this very question, what did God do outside of creating us? And so if you are imaginative and like sci-fi, I recommend looking those books up. He could have been doing any number of creative things that had nothing to do with us. And it's fun to think about and imagine But there is one concrete thing we are told in the scripture that God was absolutely doing before creation. I want you to look in your bulletins or on your computers at home at our gospel reading for today, which is from Jesus's uh, high priestly prayer. It's a prayer that Jesus prayed after his resurrection, but before his ascension into heaven. And he's praying for his disciples. Friends, he's praying for you and I. And so here's what verse 24 says, Father, I desire that they also, that's us, whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Again, he's praying for us to see my glory that you have given me because, and here's the really important piece, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. In our gospel reading for today, we see that There is one thing that God was certainly doing before we were made. He was loving. The significance of this to our entire faith cannot be underestimated. The Trinity is the reason that God was loving. And in fact, John proclaims later 
with no disclaimers or mitigation that God isn't just loving. He is, in fact, the very essence of love. The book I mentioned does a wonderful job of making this point. It may help to think about it in the opposite way. Consider a God who is not Trinity, a single person God. Could we ever say that God was loving if before he created, he had nothing to love but himself? Real love, at least as we understand it as humans, by definition, requires an object to love. Love isn't an inward-looking thing. It's an outward motion towards something or someone outside of ourselves. So a single-person God would have an awful hard time really and truly loving. Until, of course, he created people. And then he could love them. But that's not so with a Trinitarian God. The Father was always delighting and loving the Son, and the Son was always delighting in the Father and loving him back. And the Spirit was always binding them together in what the Apostle Paul would later call the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It is because our God is three in one, one in three, a Trinity, that he can be loving in eternity that love is a thing he always was and an action he was always doing. God is love because God is Trinity. I want to move on and talk about my next assertion is that God is good because he is Trinity. I want to ask this question as we explore that. Why us? If he didn't need us, Right? He was totally and completely fulfilled within the Trinity. There was perfect love and relationship. He did not need us. He did not need creation. And if we look at the history of humanity, we are pretty much a failed experiment. Nothing has gone right. We allowed sin to enter into God's perfect world. And now, from the beginning, there have been a cycle of wars and famines and plagues and tragedies. People hurt and abuse and dominate one another. People abuse and hurt themselves. Why, if in his omnipotence God knew we would fall, why create at all? If God had already fellowship and love and fulfillment without us? I think the answer, again, comes in the doctrine of the Trinity. Because he is love, he is also good. And here's where he is good to us. Because he is our good, good father. This is what a Trinitarian God allows for. That God was always loving. God was also always a parent. The father was always a parent to the son. That means that a primary characteristic of our God from eternity is that he is a loving parent who longs to gather his children to him, who longs to love despite what their children do. If any of you are parents out there, then you know this in an imperfect way. We pale in comparison to the goodness of our heavenly father, but we still love our children regardless of what they do. We certainly don't love them for what they can do for us, if any of you had kept infants alive at any point in your life, you know that this is true. 
We don't love them for what they can give back to us, or at least we ought not to, right? We love them because they're ours. Because God is Trinity and complete in itself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we were not made to meet any sort of need in God. God could have created a world full of little slaves who would make God feel better by worshiping and praising him. But our Trinitarian God didn't need to do that. He already had everything he needed. So our God is not codependent. We were made simply out of an overflow of God's love and his goodness. Theologians have sometimes given us the imagery of a fountain and the love simply overflows. There's too much to be contained. And when the love was too much to be contained, that's when we were created. Because the nature of love is to share and to gather in. And so God is love and he has been so, so good to us. Good to not demand of us that we be slaves. Serving a God who can get angry at the flip of a switch if we don't do things exactly to his liking. That's not how God created us. In his goodness, he did not make us slaves to serve him. He made us children to love him. Because God is Trinity, we can truly say that God is and has always been a good parent. And we are invited to be his children. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, we have now been reinstated. We are invited in. If you look at our epistle reading for today from Romans 8, you will see a beautiful picture of the Trinity uniting us to God himself. It's through the Spirit that we may call God Father, Abba. And it's the Spirit that bears witness that we are children of God. It's the Holy Spirit inside of us that reminds us that we are children and we are heirs because God is a good parent and he loves us. God is eternally loving and eternally good because God is Trinity. It would not work the same way with a single person God. God could not always have been a parent nor could he always have been loving if there's not three in one and one in three. I'd like to suggest one more thing. God is good because of the Trinity. God is love because of the Trinity. But God could make himself truly known because of the Trinity. And he did. Our gospel reading, if you turn back to it in verse 26 this time, verse 26 reads, I, so Jesus, made known to them your name. So Jesus came to make the Father's name known to us. And he, he says, I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Our Trinitarian God reveals himself to us by sending the Son the eternal word of God who was there from the very beginning before time began. That word of God came to us and became incarnate, literally in, incarnate, in flesh. He became one of us that we may know the Father and that we may become his children. 
That's what happened on the cross. A whole world of children that had turned their backs on their good and loving father. And so the son had to come and he had to die in our place that justice and righteousness may be fulfilled. And because of his sacrifice, we now once again may be rightfully called sons and daughters of God. The son reflects to us the character and the nature of the father. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is inside of us, commending this all to us, helping us know that it is true, that we are loved by a good parent. It is only through the doctrine of the Trinity that I think we can truly say that God is love and that we can truly see God as a good parent. And it's because of the Trinity, the three persons working in perfect unison to reconcile the world back to the loving arms of the Father. And so it's for all these reasons, I hope you at least caught a glimpse of the idea that the doctrine of the Trinity is not an outlier to our faith. It's not something that we should ignore or that we have to be scared of. In fact, the Trinity is the very reason why our faith matters on Monday morning in the cubicle or sitting in traffic or after we've made a misstep with a friend or as we're wondering what to do with the rest of our lives. The Trinity matters in the very dullest of moments because even in those very dullest of moments, we are being swept up into the perfect love of the Trinity. It is love itself that pursues us in these moments, that guides us and dwells within us day by day. It is because God is Trinity that we can be assured of God's steadfast love. Even in the most mundane things in our lives, we can consider the place where we are holy ground like Moses at the burning bush, because we have God that dwells inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. The doctrine of the Trinity is a beautiful thing because the doctrine of the Trinity tells us who our God is, the one who loves us and the one who saved us. God is good and God is love because God is Trinity. So let's go forth asking the Lord to show us more and more of this love. And as we are filled with his abundant love, as we are caught up as children, co-heirs with Christ, as beloved children, let that love and that loveliness spill over into the world that God so loves. Amen. On Friday, a Pennsylvania.